St. Patty's Day. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. We're saving you 15% off your online order right now at abotanicalcompany.com. When you check out, use the discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off at abotanicalcompany.com. Com. Plus, they have easy and safe pickup in Midwest City. Uh, they have a drive through It's very efficient and safe. So check it out, plus 15% off with the discount code ColbyShow at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, jumping straight into our weekly Wednesday conversation with Aaron Davis. Aaron Davis, happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> man, what says celebrating... Old St. Patty than gloomy, cold weather. What the hell? I was up last night at 1 in the morning watching severe weather coverage because, I don't know, I just like something about turning on the David Payne or whoever I watched that night and just watching them just get all giddy and geeked out over like some tornado that nobody can see. Was there severe weather like, last night? Just, yeah, there was a, like a tornado in uh, Hobart, I think, for like oh, okay. five seconds. Yeah, and like some hail with like – tennis and baseball size hail last night but anyways we never got any of it here in the metro but i watched it anyways i I couldn't fall asleep so i just turned it on and we're getting tornadoes last night at one in the morning and then like northwest the panhandle is going to have a blizzard today oh within like 12 yeah the panhandle in northwest oklahoma they're getting like six inches of snow today in blizzard conditions like 10 hours after they had severe storms oh what is going on lord that's brutal uh, at one o'clock in the morning, I was uh, I was deep into uh, the boys, which I only have hey. uh, I only have three episodes left. So by this time tomorrow, I will have finished the two seasons of the boys that are currently out. Which is exactly I to- like I said, yeah. there was the like a yeah. three or four day gap between the conference championships and the tournament starting, and that was plenty of time to watch. There's only like what like. 18 or 20 episodes yeah. so far. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's good though, right? Oh. I don't like okay, so for those that don't know, on Friday we did a superhero draft and Aaron drafted a superhero that I've never heard of, knew nothing about. Uh so he tells me about this show on Amazon Prime called The Boys. And uh I so I started it on Sunday night. Sunday night I watched, I think, five or six episodes. The first night I watched five or six episodes till about 4 a.m. And finally I was just like, I got to go to bed. I, I probably would have kept watching it. Uh, and, and the other part is, like, my, you know, with the time change, my clock is off anyway. So, like, I, I could have trucked through because, for me, it didn't feel like 4 o'clock. But I just thought, you know what, I've got to be productive tomorrow. So, 4 o'clock was my threshold, and I shut it down. Uh, but yeah, I've I've uh, I've almost knocked out the whole two seasons. So are they are they in process of putting together a third season? It I it yeah it got approved like okay. almost immediately like when season two released they it had gotten approved for a third season. But I don't know if they started filming or anything like that. There was like a it wasn't that long between season one and season two coming out. I think it was maybe like a year, a year and a half, yeah. eighteen months, something like that. But I mean, who knows with COVID? Like it might be twenty twenty. I don't know. But yeah, I did get a, they did a, Amazon did approve it. It's thankfully because the show's awesome and oh, it's badass. Everybody that, yeah, everybody that I've talked to that has actually seen it and is aware of it loves it. So 
Yeah, it's our, it's our duty it to shine a light on this thing because I, I had right. never even heard of it. I knew nothing of its existence, and it's fantastic. And it has, I mean, it has yeah. some pretty notable actors in it, right? Like, it's it's yeah, not like yeah. this this small-time uh, show that just got, like, randomly put together and, and took off. Like, it's 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 a pretty big deal. Yeah, and the, I mean, it's really well done. You can tell Amazon's, like, they threw money behind it, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Like, the, yeah, the the CGI and stuff like it's all really, it's like a movie, like a theatrical movie quality, like yeah. special effects and all that. Yeah. It's, it's great. Oh, there's some intense stuff in there too. Like there's, it's got it all. Like there's some yeah. like funny stuff, like good, you know, it's violent, but like, there's also scenes that are like super intense. Like the, the, um, the airplane in season one, that was, uh, Oh an intense yeah. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. It, Either one of them. There was actually two, I guess there was two airplane, uh, situations in season one, and both of them were pretty intense. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's very dark for those that uh, it is, yeah. that uh, are going to start watching this thing. It's very dark. Uh, very. I mean, there are some scenes that uh, I was like, "Whoa, that's uh, that's." Yeah, they don't they don't they don't very skip intense. on the violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, like when uh, Kamiko rips the guy's face off, I was like. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That but just the, I said it last week, like the first, not even five minutes into the show, I, Rosie couldn't watch it. She like borderline had a panic attack yeah. because, uh, of the violence, like the first, like not even five minutes, like two and a half minutes in, yeah. it was just a scene that sets up the entire show, but right. like, yeah. Um, yeah, and then without giving away spoilers, I don't want to spoil the show for anybody that, uh, that wants to watch it, but the scene that I text you about Last night, I was like, I've never been this uncomfortable watching a television show in my life. Have you, uh, <laughs> I can't, uh, I'll ask you after you, I'll, I'll bring this up after you finish season two, because I don't remember okay. where it happens in season two, okay. but there's a, there's a character in season two that has like a very brief cameo and, uh, his superpower is <laughs> the stupidest superpower ever, but it's funny. And uh, I just love that whoever created the boys decided to write that into the story. All right. There, apparently, there's comics, which is the show is based off some comics, but obviously they're not uh, Marvel or DC because it's a little too, yeah, uh, yeah. a little too rate R rated. Yeah, it's it's a it's an awesome show, and just the general concept of it is fantastic. Like, it's yeah. just it's so I mean, it's basically it's, like yeah, it's so original. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like if, if superheroes existed in the real world. They would probably be dicks. Yeah. And like the like it it, it wouldn't be like Marvel where uh you know, Captain America throws his shield at some guy, it hits his head, and he just gets knocked out. No, his head would probably be cut in half or something. Right. Like it's a superhero with like extreme strength. He's probably gonna it's probably gonna be way more violent yeah. than what it's and, you know, and he's not gonna in. be like, no, nobody cuss. Nobody say bad words. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah, they, they go fight crime and then they go to the strip club or something. Like that's Exactly. They gotta go yeah. blow off their steam. Yeah. No, it's it's an awesome show. It's an awesome concept. And uh, for anybody that hasn't watched it, if you have Amazon Prime, uh I mean I, we've spent five minutes on this. I feel like we need to get some sort of uh endorsement from uh, Amazon Bro. Prime for this. Because if you don't have it, go get it so you can watch the boys. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I can yeah, you know he, what? I can agree with Eric. I felt like I won the draft, but 
your Homelander pick certainly puts you right there. So he's he's a he's a great he's, he's a great villain. Absolutely, he's so good. Great super villain. Season two, you kind of feel bad for him. Like you have empathy. I like was empathetic <laughs> for him in season two. Like I was like, kind of starting to feel bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I get what you mean. Yeah. So anyway, go watch it, people. It's it's really awesome. Um, and you say Patty's Day plans. No, I'm just going <laughs> to do the podcast with you, go work for a little while, and uh, try not to be too miserable. It's supposed to be like 50 yeah. degrees today. Well, I guess it's already 50 degrees, but I, yeah. I think it's supposed to get colder as the day goes on. That sucks. Are you, uh, you going to try to – do you ever photograph in the rain? Sometimes, yeah. If uh, It's hard. Um. It's a little bit harder to photograph in the rain because the, the camera tries to focus on the rain drops. Yeah. So, like, if I'm trying to focus on whatever I'm taking a picture of, it yeah, it, it makes it a little bit harder. But, right. I mean, it can, yeah, yeah. I throw a, I'll throw, a, like, a Walmart bag over my camera just to protect it from the rain. And, yeah, I'll go out and take some pictures of the rain. I don't, nice. I don't mind getting wet and bother me. Yeah. I, I remember uh, when I was covering high school football and shooting highlights uh, for KOCO, I would get a Walmart bag and just like cut out a little hole at the end and then put the whole bag over the camera and then just have like the lens yeah. part where the hole is. And uh, yeah, I had many Friday nights in the rain shooting highlights that way. Oh, well, I mean, if you're doing football, pff, rain's the best, like rain just makes it so much more fun. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You just yeah, don't want to me- F up the camera is all. Right. Yeah. Give me rain over 95 degree heat any day. If I'm, you know, shooting a football game or anything. Yeah. 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 Now, if I'm just watching the game, I would rather just have the heat. But yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Ooh, I don't know. The most fun I've ever had at a sporting event was OU Tech 2013 when it rained the entire game and just sitting in the stands getting poured on for three hours. That's funny. Um, that, that reminds me of, I think it was two years ago. One of, one of my favorite concerts ever was the killers at the zoo amphitheater. Oh, I remember. I remember it was like, it was like severe storms. Oh, severe storms. Yeah. Like my mom kept calling my phone during the concert and sending me text messages. And obviously the killers are jamming, so I'm not going to answer the phone, but I, I, I felt it buzzing over and over. And I looked at it at one point, there was a text message and she was like, there's a tornado headed your way. Get out of there. And I was like, I remember that. There were like, I don't know how many people that place holds, but it was packed. I was like, look, if there's a tornado coming, there's no way I can get out of this area, get to where our car is, and get out of the area in general. Like, we're all screwed. Right. So I'm just going to enjoy gonna be a massacre. Yeah. I just, so I just tipped my beer back and uh, enjoyed the rest of, however, I mean, they were like, we're going to play for as long as we can. We know there's severe weather coming, so we're just going to play for as long as we can. And they just fucking rocked out. And it, it just poured down rain. It was so badass. I, I was going to say, I, I was literally just about to say, shout out to the killers for like still playing through the storm. But then I'm like, I thought about it and I was like, that'd be pretty uh, not rock and roll. If you're like, okay guys, there's some rain. So yeah, we're going to, we're going yeah, we're gonna... to we're pack up. We're a little nervous <laughs> about getting electrocuted. So yeah, yeah dude, they played, they, I mean, they, they played everything and, you know, there was, there was no bullshit in between songs there. You know, it was just like, 
Yeah. We're just going to truck through this thing and just jam. And it was awesome. It was so badass. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. It was, uh, I, I guess, because like I knew a few people at, that were going to the concert. And then if there was, you know, severe weather in the area, I was probably watching it. And yeah, I remember that like very vividly. Yeah, that was, yeah. that's crazy. I'll have to. Uh, yeah, right? I've got some really good video um, of like, sh- like shooting. Uh, the stage and them rocking out and then just kind of like spanning the camera to the side and you can just see the pouring down rain and it's, it's really cool. So yeah, I'll have to, I'll tweet that uh, a little bit later today, but yeah, no, uh, no, no St. Patty's day plans. May have, may have a couple beers this afternoon, something like that, but yeah. It's on a Wednesday. It's weird. Yeah. It's on a Wednesday and, and look, St. Patty's day is just, it's it's tough when you have a, a kid as well. Like it just I don't know. It's a little little tougher to yeah, yeah. just go get wild. It, yeah, I guess it I guess it's tough to get blackout drunk by like one thirty PM. Yeah. And then like because <laughs> that's gonna it's gonna it's gonna screw up two days basically for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's not yeah, like it, it's not like it's just a few hours where I'm like, hey, go watch a movie. Like he and I are basically together all day. So Right. Yeah, yeah, you're you're basically giving up two full days yeah. if you're really going out at St. Patrick's Day, like doing it how it's intended. <laughs> yeah, I can remember. Uh, I have two big St. Patty's Day memories. One of them was doing a remote at McNelly's in Midtown, and as as I'm doing the show, and this was when uh, we were still doing nine to noon. As I'm doing the show, they just keep bringing me Irish car bombs, and I probably had. God knows how many, five to 10 Irish car bombs, easy, just during the the, the portion that we were doing the show. Um, by the time we got to the final hour, it was one of those situations where Kara is just screaming at me during every commercial break to, to pull it together and, uh, and be better. She's like, you're a professional. And anyway, it was hilarious. And then the other one was, so I think it was the first year uh, that I was there. Um... Or maybe it was this, I, I can't remember. It's been too long. I'm pretty sure I'm still living in Stillwater, though. And maybe it was the same day. It may have, I, I, can't, I can't remember the, the sequence of events. But got done doing the show at, like, noon. And I had been invited to, like, you know, five or six different, like, St. Patty's Day festivity type events. And so being done with work at noon on St. Patty's Day, I was like, yes. Oh, yeah. And I just Ubered from place to place to place to place. And uh, I ended up getting a hotel in Oklahoma City because there was, I mean, I wasn't driving to Stillwater, obviously. I wasn't driving, period. But uh, yeah, it, 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 Uber to Stillwater probably cost you as much as a yeah, hotel anyway. Yeah. So it was it was a very fun, very long St. Patty's Day. Uh, and yeah, I woke up that next morning in a hotel in OKC had to Uber to go get my car from a bar and then be at the station before the nine o'clock show, which was a struggle. Uh, but. Nothing, nothing like getting fed Irish car bombs at nine 30 in the morning. Yeah, that was a good one though. That was a, uh, I would imagine that show was referenced for a long time. Look, I can, uh, <laughs> I can, I can imagine why. Yeah. That's fine. It's I mean it's it's funny that like 
it, it's kind of funny that like they paid for you guys to be out there and they're like, let's just get them absolutely shit faced in the first like hour of the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what they wanted. They were like, the GM is literally bringing me Irish car bombs every five minutes. I mean, hey, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that's, you want to go have fun. Yeah. It, the, the problem is with that, it's, it, it's, it's a blast to do that, but if you're the person driving the show. Oh, it's, well, you're driving it, drunk. It, yes. Literally. It, exactly. It makes it a little difficult to navigate, you know, all the different things that, that you're responsible for in that role, but. I, uh, I hit some speed bumps, I hit some curbs, but we made it to the finish line. Yeah, it's all right. You didn't crash the car. <laughs> I mean, some might say that, uh, you know, I drove it through a parade and gained us more fans that day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing bad happened. It was just uh, kind of an obvious, like, he's having a good time at the St. Saint De- Saint Patty's Day Festival type situation. So, anyway. Yeah. Have you filled out an NCAA tournament bracket? I have not. I'm uh Are you going to? Is it cheating? Yeah, I'll okay. do one. Is it cheating if I wait until after the playing games to fill it out? I don't think so. I think that uh, as long as it is done before the first round the first game of the first round is played. Okay. Is the way I'm I do. I'm probably yeah. going to wait until after Thursday night. Yeah. I'll probably fill it out Thursday night after the playing games cuz I don't know. They like the fact that I have to like trying to decide between these two 16 seeds, which they're going to win. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, not that it matters because I'm just going to pick the one seed to win anyway in the next game that they play. But right. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little yeah. crazy. It's crazy that Michigan. I can't believe Michigan State. How, is Michigan in State a UCLA game. in a playing game. Yeah. And Duke and uh, Kentucky didn't even make it. It's wild. Yeah, watching the selection show on Sunday, uh, there was there was great comfort within me uh, that that Coach K and Coach Cal were both sitting at home, not invited to the NCAA tournament. Think about it. Three, I I, I would I think it's probably pretty safe to put Coach K, Calipari, and um, uh, Izzo still at Michigan State, right? Yeah. Okay. To put those three, what, like the top 15 best college basketball coaches of all time? I mean, Coach yeah, K is in the top five. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, I would, the first yeah, two Izzo. definitely are in there. Izzo, I, I would have to Izzo's like, I would have to go five. through a list to see where he slots, 15. but off the top of my head, I, yeah, I think that's probably safe to say. He's won a couple, he's won at least, he's won a, definitely won a one national championship. One title, he's won, yeah. Yeah, he's been to a few Final Fours. He's been to like four Final Fours. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd yeah. say top fifteen or top twenty is definitely reasonable. Yeah, the fact that two of them aren't in, which two are like you said, you could probably argue that they're. I mean, Coach K is definitely top five. Calipari is probably somewhere in the top ten, if not, you know, like at the back of the top five. They're not even in the tournament. Yeah, it's crazy. They're, okay, holy cow! Eight Final Fours for Tom Izzo. Eight. Eight. Uh, he's been Final at Michigan fours. State since what, like yeah. the mid to late nineties. He got to Michigan State in 1995, and he's been to eight. 95. That's. I knew it was a lot. A lot. But I. I eight. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting eight. Well, is it a knock then that he's been to eight Final Fours and has only won one championship? Mm. It's man. It's tough to tough to win titles. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, eight. I mean, they're recruit. I mean, they're one of the top. Excuse me. They're one of the top programs. It's not like he doesn't have dudes getting in there. So yeah. 
I, th- I think it. I think there's a certain point where you get to so many like semifinal games and you never like. And he's been obviously he's been to more than one national championship game, right? Yeah. But to get, like you get there and you just can't get the job done. Like imagine if Bill Belichick had been to eleven consecutive AFC championship games, but they only won one Super Bowl. Right. We'd look at him completely different. Yeah. No, I get that. I think with the NCAA tournament, it's just it, because it's one of those things where so many teams are invited and like, it's not like you're guaranteed to be playing elite teams every game. Like the NCAA tournament doesn't determine who the best basketball team is, right? It determines who the hottest team is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. So that's probably why I think on some level, there's not the same weight as far as like not getting it done when you get that far. Like there would be. If you were like Donovan McNabb, remember they went to like five straight NFC championship games and mm-hmm. yeah. Who's uh? what about you? I've, I've assumed you filled out a bracket. I have done uh, to the sweet 16. I haven't finished beyond that, but yeah, I've, I've okay. who's uh, who are you leaning towards? As your champion. Oh, right. Wait, I can already tell you who my champion is. There's not a lean. Is like it, it's a, it, I'm is it Gonzaga? Solidly on Gonzaga, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've... It, and I've actually... A, I've seen Gonzaga play multiple times this year. They're good. They're really good. They are... Yeah. They're big. Uh, they have, like, a combination of the typical, like, Gonzaga guys and athletes. Um... Yeah, and I think I even told you this back in November. They have a kid at point guard named Jalen Suggs, who's a 6'4 point guard, five-star point guard coming out of high school, chose Gonzaga over, you know, basically being able to go anywhere he wanted to go. And I think he's a top-five pick in the NBA draft. Like, if, if I were the Thunder and I ended up with a pick and it was either Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, I'd have to think about it. I'd probably go Cade Cunningham, but if I ended up with Jalen Suggs, I'd be totally happy with that. Like that's how good I think he is. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been. I mean, the whole team like und- to go undefeated is pretty yeah. pretty damn impressive. Even if you're playing in the West Coast Conference or whatever, they it's the they play in the West Coast Conference, right? Yeah, the WCC. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. The com- those conferences change so much. I feel like it's kind of hard to <laughs> yeah. keep up. But uh, yeah, to go twenty six and zero. Even playing in that conference is it's super impressive. Like that's not a bad conference by any means. There are other good teams in that conference, but yeah, and you know, admittedly, and I've said this a ton of times on this on the show or any show that I've ever been on. Like I'm not a huge college basketball fan in 2021 right. at, at this era. So like I didn't watch a, co- a lot of college basketball in the regular season, but I I started I've kept up with it. And then as the season has progressed, I've gotten more and more like in depth into looking into it and uh, watched a few conference cha- or yeah conference championship games. And then I'm definitely going to watch like as much of the tournament as I can. As long as I if I'm home, the tournament's going to be on. But yeah, Gonzaga is good. I like Baylor. I think Baylor has a really good team. Um, they shoot the three really well, which you know in today's basketball, like that's that's going to be a big plus for for any team. Yeah. They're good defensively. Um, Veterans, I mean, you know, it's not like they're yeah, yeah. experienced. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think of other teams that like just completely like really stand out. Like I like Oklahoma State. I like what Oklahoma State is doing right now, but I don't know that they're they they're so bad at shooting the three that I don't know that they are going to be able to make a run. Like how, like how many games can you win if you're just like just giving Kate Cunningham the ball and like hoping he gets to the basket? I mean, yeah, if you're getting I mean, fouled, I, I would that say works. that. Um... With their draw, I mean, they're going to have to have other people play well, even in just the second round. Like, could you get through Liberty with only Cade playing well? Yes. Could you get past Tennessee with only Cade playing well? I don't know that for sure. Maybe you could, but Tennessee's good enough that you're going to need a a, a team effort. Could you beat Illinois with just Cade playing well? Absolutely not. So, I, I think they should, they deserved a better seed than they got. They deserved a better draw than they got. And look, if, if they were flip-flopped with West Virginia, I would probably have them playing Illinois in the Elite Eight in the final of that region. Uh, unfortunately, the draw they got, um, it looks like they would be playing Illinois in the Sweet 16. That's a great matchup. That's a tough matchup. I think Illinois is probably a little bit of a matchup problem for Oklahoma State, but I absolutely believe the Cowboys have enough and are playing well enough down the stretch to beat Illinois, so... Uh, that's the matchup I yeah. most want to see is Oklahoma State getting their opportunity at Brad Underwood and Illinois uh, in this entire tournament. But yeah, they're, look, I, I mean, the bottom line is part of what makes college basketball and, and the tournament and the regular season such contrasting things are, you know, A, you have a team like Oklahoma State that two months ago was losing to TCU and is now one of the hottest teams in the country. And then you have a team like Oklahoma that was in the top 10 and now has lost five of six. So it's like. And they're probably going to lose five of seven, if not six of seven. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're, if you're good enough to get past Missouri, which I think is kind of a coin flip game. And I lean toward Oklahoma just because they have a higher ceiling. Um, then you're, you're rewarded with Gonzaga, which is, I, I think I said this on KOCO, basically a death sentence to your season in the second round. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, so much of the tournament, though, is, I mean, obviously, you're going to have to go through some good teams if you're going to make it all, yeah. you know, to yeah. win the championship. Like, it's inevitable. You're going to play a good team. But I think being the eight seed is probably one of the toughest seeding spots to get into, obviously, because you're going to get matched up with a team that's pretty comparable to you. So you're going to have a coin flip game, and then you immediately go into that one seed. And to get the overall one seed in Gonzaga, who you just mentioned, is probably. It is easily your pick to win it all. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, doesn't bode well for Oklahoma, but, um, and I, I like, I like, Alabama. I, I like Baylor a lot. Uh, I just think that when I, when I really like, I was kind of torn at first about picking either Baylor or Gonzaga, but the more I thought about it, I just think Gonzaga's a matchup problem for Baylor. So, yeah, which I mean, that's very realistic that we could see them in the championship against each other. Um, I like, I like Alabama. I, yeah. I've watched a little bit of them. I like the way they play though. I, they play with a lot of tempo and they're a lot of fun to watch. I don't know. I don't know where their ceilings at just cause I haven't watched a lot of it. I don't know. I don't, I'm not super familiar with any of their players as far as like high end talent, but I, I love the way they play. And obviously, you know, they, like, they lost to Oklahoma, but I mean, they're, they're a two C 24 and six. Like there's nothing to frown at yeah, they I lost guess. to OU and OU was playing well though like it's right they were, OU is red hot yeah. in that stretch yeah yeah Alabama um, that that re- I think that's the toughest region in this thing because you have Michigan Alabama well Michigan's with 
Michigan's without the oh, I can't remember this name's kid. Yeah. Or the kid's name. Um I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. Uh but yeah, they have their second leading scorers out. Right. Pretty much indefinitely from what the team said. So, you know, the one seed's a little bit more vulnerable. Like, yeah, that that region is definitely wide open. Yeah, Michigan, uh, I think of the two seeds, I like Alabama as the best two seed. And, you know, obviously Michigan was the last number one, so Bama is the top two seed. Uh, but then, I, you know, of the three seeds, I think I like Texas more than any other three seed. So uh, Texas yeah, is Texas playing is- really well. Uh, you know, they're long and athletic, and when they have, you know, a veteran point guard, so... Texas could be a problem. And look, Florida State, I think, is a team as the four seed that honestly uh, could beat Michigan in the second round or or the Sweet 16. So I like all four of those top four seeds, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see any one of those four seeds win that that region. Yeah, uh, Texas played – Texas had 12 games this year that were decided by six points or less, and they were 9-3 and in those 12 games. So they're – Really experienced in close games, which I think when you get into the tournament to be know that you can win uh, when the game is close. I think that's probably a big plus for confidence for a lot of those kids. Yeah, um, there's a lot of veterans on Texas, and then uh, they've got the uh, was it Brown. What's his, the Greg Brown? Yeah, he's yeah. you know he's really he's really good. Um, Isaiah Livers is the kid for Michigan that's out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that region's wide open. Shout out to, shout out to uh, Patrick Ewing though for sneaking in at thirteen and twelve. Oh and yeah, 12 and seed. they yeah they won their their conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There. So, uh, well, we got uh, John Howard's the head coach at Michigan, right? Correct. And then we've got Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. We have uh, is those are interesting coaches for me at least. I mean. It makes me feel old to watch dudes that I that I remember like played watched them play in the NBA. Coaching, yeah. I mean, Avery Johnson's been coaching forever. I mean, he was coaching the Mavs in the mid two thousands. But yeah. yeah, seeing Juwan Howard and Patrick Ewing, I can't again though. Patrick, I guess Patrick Ewing is like sixty, so yeah, it shouldn't make me feel that old. Look, I I mean, you were you were just born, but I I remember. Jawan Howard and the Fab Five in the tournament. Right. So. Right, yeah. Jawan Howard's a little bit more... I mean, Patrick Ewing was... When Jawan Howard was in Michigan, Patrick Ewing was already an all-star in the NBA. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's not as, I guess, extreme. And, wow, I can't believe he's coaching right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Jawan Howard is. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I was too young to remember Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it. he was... I mean, in 92, he was on the Dream Team, and I think 92 was uh, the Fab Five's freshman year. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Ewing was, what, a year away from going to the finals or two years away from going to the finals and losing to the Rockets. And, you know, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. he was already established as a cornerstone piece in the NBA and All-Star. So, yeah, this is not that extreme. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think that there are, like, I think the one seeds are are certainly um, outside of Michigan. I mean, if they're all if, pretty solid, yeah, yeah, they're all pretty solid. Like it's, I, I think there's definitely a tier. But then, like after I think the top three one seeds, like the next like fifteen teams, I think are are grouped pretty tightly. So I don't think there's like a ton of separation after 
after Gonzaga, uh, Baylor, and Illinois. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm uh, you know, a lot like you. I've I've it feels like every year I watch less college basketball. Uh, I did find myself watching a lot of those early non-conference games when college basketball booted up uh, back in whatever November. Um, and then you know I took a then I basically don't watch any until you get like halfway through conference play and then I start paying attention again. Um, you know, it's just it's what and for what the reason that you? you know Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are perfect examples of this midway midway through. Conference play, Oklahoma State didn't even look like a tournament team, and the Sooners looked like they could be a two seed. So, right. What what is it in your opinion that like? Because I think we both at one point in our lives loved college basketball. Like, I remember watching college basketball in the mid early and mid two thousands, and just like I couldn't get enough of it. I every Saturday, just like it was college football. Like I'm getting up in the morning, I'm looking at the schedule, I'm like, oh. Texas is playing Duke today. Like I'm sitting down for two and a half hours. I'm watching every second of this game. Yeah. I'm going to watch every second of JJ Reddick and LaMarcus Aldridge going back and forth. Like right. I just, Kevin, I remember Kevin Durant in Texas. I watched so much Kevin Durant in Texas. Like, I, but now like, it just, I can't even sit down for 15 minutes and watch most games. Why? Like, what do you think it is? What, in your opinion, what is it? I, it's the NBA. I mean, it's, there are so everybody comes out so early that there's no consistency in college basketball. Like I rem, when I was like, I, I, I watched a little bit as a kid in the late eighties, but like the nineties is basically my college basketball. Like that's, that's when I really loved it. And during that period, like every top 25 team, you could look at their rosters and it's like, you got like three juniors and a senior starting and it's like guys right. that are going to go on to be NBA players. So I, I just think the overall talent level was, I mean, it was insanely higher than it is today. I mean, you go back, well, like go back and just pull go up back. in the, just go back to the nineties or you could even go back to probably the, the period of time you're talking about and pull up like final fours or elite eights Whoa. and just go look at the rosters. And it's like, Holy cow. All these teams are loaded Whoa. with future NBA guys. And and not just was it like the, one and duns. Was it like the two thousand? We talked about it last week. I think it was like 07 or 08 North Carolina team, where oh, we yeah. looked at their roster and there was like four NBA guys starting for them. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington, Tyler, Danny, Danny Green, Tyler Hansbro. Yeah, I think like Ed Davis, maybe Brandon Wright. Yeah, it was just insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. And now you look at it like you might have one, maybe two NBA guys on a call, on a basketball, even on a championship team. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking back to when Virginia won, they had DeAndre Hunter, and I don't know if they had another NBA guy on their roster. Ty Jerome, that bro. Year. Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. Okay, there you go. Ty Jerome. Oklahoma City OKC Thunder. Ty Jerome. Yeah. OKC Blue slash Thunder. Um, okay, so there's two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess there's a difference though between, there's a difference though between watching the quality of basketball when you have one or two guys that are yeah. going to be NBA players and when you have four or five, right. there's definitely a, a dip in quality there. I think, I think a big part for me and I, I kind of came to this conclusion when, uh, when Trey Young was at OU, I think in this era you have so many one and dones at these, you know, elite level players, but college basketball is about the coaches. 
The coaches run the show. It's their system. If you don't want to play it, then you're not going to play or whatever. I think if I think college basketball would be a lot more fun for me if the coaches would kind of just I don't take an ego check or just like kind of realize that these one and done star players like kind of they can do a lot more than what they're allowed to. Yeah. Like I love that Lon Kruger just let Trey Young go out there every night and just play how Trey Young plays and Trey Young's played the same at at Norman North at OU and in, in the, with the Hawks he plays the same style of basketball and that Lon didn't go in there and just be like okay. You're going to shoot three threes a game. I want you to like take a bunch of mid-range jumpers and like run this offense. Like you just let them play. It made it a lot more fun. And then we Zion, go, we see Zion at Duke, and it's the complete opposite. Yeah, they don't really like in this. You know, obviously Zion didn't play a whole bunch of games at Duke, but in the games he did play, it was just com- Coach K just completely. I mean, he didn't utilize him to his strengths at all. Yeah. And I think that college, if you want to make college basketball fun today. It's got to become more about those players and less about, you know, the team and the program and the coaches. And that goes against, you know, the whole idea and like the whole principle of college basketball and what it's built on and stuff. But it's just so boring watching these like these these dudes that the talent, like the, the ones that are one and done, that are NBA guys. They're not going to play as much because they're freshmen or whatever it might be. And it's just I don't know. It's just watching teams shoot 27% from three. Yeah, that I mean, again, it just goes back to the overall talent level not being there because it's just every year it's a mass exodus to the NBA. Right. So, like, you know, right. like I, I referenced, like, kind of the, the time period that I loved college basketball. Like, I remember, I was talking about this with a friend a, a few days ago. I remember, like, this Big East tournament that had Allen Iverson at Georgetown uh, again, and none of these guys are freshmen. That's that's the thing you have to remember. It's it's like right. imagine if Zion yeah, stayed till his junior year. You know what I mean? So it's like yep. Allen Iverson at Georgetown and Ray Allen at UConn and Kerry Kittles at Villanova and John Wallace at Syracuse. And these are all guys that have played college basketball for multiple seasons. And it's just like that. That talent level is ridiculous. Yeah, it's. I, I think that obviously this one and done isn't working, but for college basketball because the talent's there. I mean, I think the NBA from a talent level league wide is probably the highest it's ever been. Yeah, for sure. I think you can look. Yeah, so it's not like you're not getting the talent coming through these schools, but I think there's I think there is an issue of a lot of coaches not really utilizing those talents properly. Like Donovan Mitchell at Louisville. I did you were you aware of Donovan Mitchell when he was at Louisville? Because I wasn't. No. I mean, I knew I knew exactly. of him, but I, I, I mean, yeah, he wasn't. Uh, well, he, on the, you should have been aware of him. Yeah, you should have. Been, you should have known that this dude is an all-star, all NBA caliber player. Yeah, but you don't because you know Patino or whoever was coach was there when Donovan Mitchell was there. I assume it was Patino, but just not you. I mean, just completely underutilized in the in this because it's all about the scheme in college basketball or whatever. But. Anyways, the one that does not working. Yeah. I, I think well, they should go to... It's hard to sustain a program, though, if you're going to sell out what you're doing for the sake of a guy that's going to be there for one year. So, like, yeah, how, yeah. like it works for that season, but then it's it's incredibly more difficult the year after that and the year after that unless you get that same guy, that same caliber player, right back in that position. And then, look, the other thing is, 
not all freshmen mature immediately, right? There's like, you're in a whole different situation. You're away from home for the first time. I think there's also an adjustment period where for that first year, some guys just don't, don't, you know, figure it all out. We see a lot of guys, you know, at the end of their freshman seasons start to, to kind of pull it together. And then if they were to stay in college basketball that next year, they become a superstar. You can obviously see the talent level there as a freshman, but it kind of takes a year of going through it to kind of bring it all together. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, this guy's yeah. just a monster. I, I hear what you're saying, but also it's basketball. It's a, it's a sport where one guy can make all of the difference for, for sure. a team success. For sure. So, and I'm looking at Donovan Mitchell's stats at Louisville. He was there for two years. Uh, his sophomore year, he took 13 shots a game, which isn't bad. He averaged 15 points a game. But I just – he immediately came into the NBA and made an impact yeah. and, sh- like, flashed. Like, you could immediately see that this dude is a top-tier talent, especially as a rookie. To not – I mean, just to not build more of a focus around the guys like that yeah. makes college basketball so much more boring to me because te- – I mean, Rick Barnes did a great job of it at Texas with Kevin Durant. And that team was pretty damn good, like – they didn't win a lot of games. They not at least compared to you know the Final Four team with TJ Ford or um, you know what Lamarcus Aldridge did with uh, DJ Augustine. I think was a point guard, but like they had PJ Tucker on that team. Like there was a pretty damn good Texas team, but it was completely centered around Kevin Durant because he was clearly the best player on the team, and yeah. their success was yeah. It's so I think that coaches can kind of adapt a little bit more to putting more focus on certain players and that would make it more fun. And I think that, I think that they should, the NBA and college basketball should implement the baseball draft rules where if you want to go out of high school, you can enter the draft out of high school, but if you go to college, you have to stay at least three years. So, I mean, it's, you're going to have a lot of dudes that just skip college, but at least the ones that go to college, we can, we could get a buddy Hill potential potentially where, you know, they stay long enough that they can actually evolve and become a good basketball player. I think three years would be a little too long and probably a massive deterrent. I think you could probably get more guys to come for two years. But yeah, yeah, then then you don't have, you know, I'll give another example of the whole, like, just give it all to one player type scenario. Remember OU with Trey Young? Like, Trey was amazing. And certainly he was one of the best freshmen we've ever seen. He averaged 27 a game. And Oklahoma was really good for a while, but when everybody figured out, hey, like, Trey's going to get his, but nobody else is ever going to get into a rhythm, and if we just don't allow anybody else to beat us, we're going to win. And they were, I mean, Oklahoma lost horribly down the stretch. Like, they were they were right. not the and same I mean, team because it was just like, okay, Trey's going to Trey's gonna score regardless. But if it's just the Trey Young show, we can let Trey score and prevent anyone else from having an impact, and we're going to win the game. And then, then immediately, Trey Young's gone, and there's like, you look at OU's roster, and it's like, where where yeah, do you go now? There's terrible. like literally nothing yeah. else. You didn't develop anybody because it was the Trey Young show. So, yeah, and I, I think there's a middle ground. I think yeah. there's a middle ground between it being, you know, Trey Young having like a James Harden level usage percentage uh, while he's there and, you know, saying that he's a freshman, he only gets six shots a game. Absolutely. When he's Absolutely. clearly the best player on the team. There's a middle ground. I think it's... I, I think there's a middle ground of these coaches like recognizing that they've got this uber talent on their team for one year. And for that one year, it's going to benefit the team to build around him and let him be like, I think, I think that Boynton did a great job this year with, with Cade and Cade's missed some time, 
here and there, but like when he's on the floor, like I feel like their offense is definitely centered around him. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I think that it's beneficial at least for the entertainment aspect for me to, for these coaches to kind of build around these star players, but yet not like, you know, make it all about them. How kind of like Vaughn did with Trey, but yeah. Yeah. OSU's done a great job of it because Cade, if you watch Oklahoma state, most games, the, the the Cade Cunningham that you see in the final five minutes of the game is not the same guy that you see for the first, you know, 35 minutes of the game. Like, he's he's very, think, do, you know, distribute the ball, get everybody right. else going, and then at the end of the game, this is one reason why I think he's so exceptional. He You know, he kind of gets into that, all right, time to take the game over mode that we all love, and he starts taking the game over when, you know, the game is on the line. But he does a great job of it, of not making it just the Cade Cunningham show for 35 minutes. He Everybody else gets involved. And, you know, again, when you look at Oklahoma State's success down the stretch here, that's they've been able to develop players in that way. That that's It's not just Cade Cunningham. They have other guys that you have to be concerned about. Right. And, and it's basketball. The last yeah. five minutes of the game is when, right. you know, you want to see those star players, like, take over. And, you know, that's the part of the game that any fa- anybody that watches basketball can tell you that the first – 95% of the game, or if, if it's college basketball, the first 35 minutes of the NBA, the first, you know, 43 minutes, like you watch them and like, you kind of like, you're keeping up, but like the last five minutes or so is when you, you know, you put your phone down for permanently yeah. and you kind of just sit up and pay, you know, so I like seeing that, you know, I yeah. like that. Uh, I like that he allows Kate to take over at the end of the games, knowing that Kate is his best player. And if he wants to win, their chances are significantly better if he puts the hands in Kate, the ball in Kate's hands. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Like, could could you imagine the Cavs being like, ah, we've got LeBron James or Booby Gibson. Uh, let's let's give him the ball in the, in the final two minutes. And let the offense go through him. That'd right. be stupid. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. Yeah, I, I just you know, I, there's just not the same level of of. Uh, good players that are also veteran players in that level. Yeah. And that, that to me is the biggest difference as far as like what we grew up watching versus the college basketball landscape today. Cause again, most of the, most of the players that are good in college basketball right now that, that have been there for three or four years probably aren't NBA guys. You know what no, I mean? Definitely not. They would have been gone by now. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I makes it. You... That's why, you know, right now there's been like the Villanova's and the Gonzaga's and uh, you know, these, these, non-blue bloods virginia a couple years ago virginia, yeah uh that these tech. non-blue bloods yeah tech that that have been able to to go on these runs because for as talented as kids are at 18 i mean when you're playing against guys that have been playing college basketball for three and four years and you have a whole roster full of those guys i mean odds are the entire group of 22 23 year olds that are good probably going to be able to withstand the storm from you know one superstar 19 year old so yeah uh, i yeah. think if you I think if you go to a two and done, obviously, if you give them the option to go out of high school, like baseball does, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get some guys that go out of high school. But I don't, I really don't think that every like top tier recruit out of high school is gonna opt to go straight to the NBA. I think some might go to college. Maybe you might lose like the top fifteen, or the, not even that. Maybe like the top ten. They yeah. go straight out of high school, maybe, but. You know, we're never like in this era of college basketball, we're never going to get a team that has a Michael Jordan and a James Worthy. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't bring in, unless you're Duke and you just get like 
you get RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion in the same class, which yeah. obviously didn't work out for them. They didn't win the title. Like it in those I mean, those dudes didn't play enough to really build anything. Exactly. Like none of them were yeah, so well, remember, it, it like, would allow... Devin Booker averaged, like, eight points a game at Kentucky. Right. Like, not not because he wasn't good, but because they had, like, five Devin Bookers want, on yeah. that team. Like, it right. just, yeah. All freshmen as well. All, and yeah. all freshmen, exactly. They're all trying to learn how to play that game, not only at a higher level, but they're all trying to develop chemistry at the same time. Like, it's... So, imagine having teams like that that play two or three years together. And what that product right. would look like versus what we have in, in today's college basketball. That's the that's the I mean, massive difference. The Fab Five's a great the, the Fab Five is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Cause you you those were five, you know, top level recruits coming out of high school and they played at, at least two years together, right? Like completely. Yeah. Yeah. They ran it back one time, right? They, yeah, they went to the, the, the national title game back to back seasons. Right. And yeah, so and everybody talks about it. They we could have that same conversation about Duke if, you know, Zion, Reddish, and Barrett, they all stay. Like, potentially, they could be that in that same conversation with the Fab Five and, like, all that stuff. But it's just, yeah. obviously, the Fab Five kind of changed the culture, so that's a little different as far as that goes. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll never see that. Like, we're never going to get that with the rule. I, the one and done, just, it's crazy. It's, yeah, like, it, it sucks. It is amazing that it ruined college basketball. Yeah, it's I it's great for the NBA, but I yeah, I think it's it's uh the NBA is better because of it, but college basketball is much worse because of it. Yeah. Um another guy I was thinking of, uh, you remember watching Jamal Murray at Kentucky? He was like Devin Booker. I mean, no. he was he was a good player, no. but uh like I I he was one of those guys that I thought, man, this guy could be really good at the next level, but was we, was he on the I, the only, like, was he on the same year? Was De'Aaron Fox after Booker and Murray? Because I remember De'Aaron Fox at Kentucky. De'Aaron Fox was there. Man, I'm trying to remember. De'Aaron Fox, I, I remember think, was on the Shea, same team with Shea, wasn't he? No, was no. I think, I mean, I think De'Aaron was there. De'Aaron, De'Aaron was there the year that Lonzo was at UCLA. Because I remember yeah. them playing each other in the tournament. And that game De'Aaron was one Fox of Fox was... Yeah. Best college basketball games I've seen in the last decade was that UCLA Kentucky game. But this and this is see this is part of the problem too is we can't even like we can't even remember who was on what team and when they were there because like you said like Devin Booker shouldn't be forgotten at Kentucky. Yeah, but he is like I can't tell you when he was there. I don't remember watching him. Like I remember Wall and Boogie at Kentucky playing together. I remember that. And then I, I remember, remember Anthony Davis. That yeah, the next class was like Anthony Davis and uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah. Uh, Deron Lamb, Terrence Jones, but then after that, like it's they had just so many consecutive years where it was just like multiple one and dones that I can't remember who played with who. Right. It's yeah, and that's. But like, I guarantee you, if we talk about like, Jamal Murray was there it, with it, Tyler Ulis, Alex Poitras, Scal Labissiere. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that team could be better. Then the next year was Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo. That's a damn good team, though. Yeah. Right. Right, and. Uh, I didn't even. I don't even remember Bam being there. I remember Malik Monk and and Darren Fox, but yeah. I don't remember Bam. Yeah, he was just kind of a 
mean, he was just kind of there. Like, right. Uh, then the next like, year, it was Kevin Knox, Shea Gilgis Alexander, PJ Washington, Hamadou Diallo. Pretty good team. Great Thunder team. Yeah, see, the, yeah. But I, I think this is another point of just like, I, I don't think anybody's going to argue that college basketball is better than today than it was 15 years ago or 25 years ago. But like, even just the fact that like, I, I, I'm sure that you or anybody in your generation, you ask them what, like what years was Grant Hill at Duke? They could probably tell you. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, they, exactly. I could tell you what years, you know, Kevin Durant was at Texas or, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge. I watch a lot of Texas basketball. So they're always my reference, my yeah. go-to, but like, I could tell you when they were there, I could tell you what years Tyler Hansborough was at North Carolina. I could tell you, um, yeah, you, you get the point I'm making, but right. like, we're talking about all NBA all-stars and we don't have any idea when they like we, when they were in college or that, cause it was just one year and they, they didn't do anything in that one year. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, I mean, you, you referenced that Duke team. It was like Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill and Christian Leitner and Cherokee Parks. And yeah, I mean, it was, the team right. was incredible. Um, it's been 30 years and yeah, we remember that team better than we remember. Yeah. One of the top five teams five years ago. Right. Yeah. Because they, they don't have time to figure out not only how they fit at the college game, but then the chemistry as well. And then by the time they start to figure it out, the season's over and you're off to the NBA. Yeah. It, Bas- and it, yeah. Basketball so much chemistry too. I think of the NBA, it works a little bit easier because – at least if you're a star, like the role players, I think chemistry plays a big part. But if you're like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, you kind of just go play basketball. Right. There's a uh, – I've been watching the the new season of Last Chance U. And they, they did basketball this time, this season. And one of the dudes – one of the, the guys on there says, you know, there's there's basketball players and there's hoopers. And, you know, yeah, the basketball players are good at basketball. They do all the fundamental stuff, right? And the hoopers just hoop and go, go make stuff happen. So – you know, the top tier guys are in the NBA are hoopers and they just make it work. So I don't think it's as important, but when you're 18 and 19, I think that chemistry is uber important to, you know, your team being good and being successful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh yeah, I, I I'm geeked about the tournament. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've established it's, it's not nearly what it used to be and you just don't have the high end teams with, and we, we didn't even mention how bad the officiating is in college basketball. That's a whole, like, that's a whole nother tangent. Yeah. Yeah. So the other good thing about the tournament versus the regular season just feels like the pace is so much better because there's urgency, yeah, right? Well, it, like it just kind of feels like right. because there's urgency, because it's a one and done scenario, you just get better pace to games, it, you know, unless it's a Virginia, but just naturally, I feel like there's just more energy within the game than just a normal, like, Monday night Oklahoma-West Virginia matchup, you know? Right. I, I think it helps, too, that you have so many games going on at the same time that if one game is boring, then oh, you can find other Yeah, game. you can find a game that's You can find that's a stimulating. game that's good, yeah. And that right. you have some rooting interest in because everybody fills in a bracket, so every game that's being played... You're rooting for the team. I mean, that, that, yeah. 
Honestly, that's probably the biggest thing saving college basketball right now is the fact that people can fill brackets out online. Yeah, like I know nothing about Liberty, but I picked them to pull off the upset, so let's right. go Liberty. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. like, honestly, like, that's... I think if you had March Madness, if you just had this tournament, but, like, people didn't fill out their own brackets, I don't know. It, like, I think you're losing a lot of the interest that you create because 1, for me... Yeah, I don't know anything. Like, I don't watch college basketball in the regular season, but I fill out my bracket just because I'm competitive and want to be right. Yeah. It's not even that, I don't even know if it's a competitive. I just want to be right. Yeah. I want to. I want to be like, hey, yeah, I picked that. Yeah. I called that game. I so, have yeah, VCU you're in the right. Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. 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 There's a hundred percent. Yeah. Like you're creating a root. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Just create a rooting interest based off of having a bracket. Right. Uh, NFL free agency yesterday was wild. Uh, before we get to some of the signings, uh, I've just got to ask you about Deshaun Watson again because uh, it's now come out that Deshaun Watson would prefer San Francisco or Denver. Uh, good choices. Denver, uh, Denver's not as close. Like Denver's got some good pieces. I think they've got good weapons on offense. Um, Jerry Judy, is if, if he stays healthy, I mean, that dude is... He might be one of the best route runners I've ever seen. Yeah. Especially considering, you know, he was a rookie in the NFL. Like, his route running is incredible. Uh, pair that up with, you know, if um, Noah Fant continues to progress, you've got uh, the other receiver at SMU. His name slipping my mind right now. Cortland Sutton, if he yeah. comes back and, you know, the ACL is not a big deal, which in today, you know, ACL seemed to be pretty easy to come back from for most guys. Um Good offensive line, like, solidified at left tackle at least. Yeah, the Bulls kid yeah. is really good. Um, defensively, they're getting older. Vaughn's not what Von Miller was five or six years ago. Uh, Bradley Chubb, Bradley Chubb's pretty good. Um, they're okay. I, San Francisco, though, if he, if he goes to San Francisco, they're immediately, I would say, one of the three favorites out of the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, assuming that they don't give up. If they could keep Nick Bosa and still get Deshaun Watson, I I think that they have to immediately go into the you know three favorites out of the NFC with Tampa Bay and uh, probably Gre I'd still keep Green Bay in there. Yeah, but they just re-signed Trent Williams today. Uh, they signed another offensive lineman too as well uh, this morning or last night. Uh, I can tell you it was in a second, but yeah, at San Francisco, I mean, as somebody that is just waiting for him to go somewhere. So I know what team I'm going to root for. Yeah. I would much rather like San Francisco, uh, Alex Mack. They signed Alex Mack. Oh, okay. a, he's a center, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So their offensive line is they're They're shoring up their offensive. Yeah. It's I'm hoping he goes to San Francisco. It's to be pretty easy to root for that team, but I like Kyle Shanahan as well, but yeah. Debo Samuel and, whatever. and, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Ayuk and, uh, not to mention a Kyle Shanahan offense who doesn't matter who's at running back. Like that zone read run yeah. is going to produce a running back. that can do something. Um, great defense. Like, like think about George Kittle, like think yeah. about all the injuries they had last year. And like, they were still pretty competitive in a lot of games. Like, I mean, they, they were, they were five minutes away from a Super Bowl two two seasons ago. And then they had massive yeah. injuries yeah. last season. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're not old. Like they're a lot of their core is still pretty young. Yeah, I think if he goes to San Francisco, like he's immediately going to a top contender for the Super Bowl. 
Denver, Denver might take a couple of years, but yeah. I like both of those scenarios. Uh, the Denver scenario for me, I think the main thing that sticks out is the fact that you would get Mahomes Watson twice a year. So as, for that, yeah. as just a fan of the NFL, the Denver thing would be awesome just to establish that rivalry in the AFC West twice a year. That would be incredible. As far as... It could be like... Go ahead. That could be this generation's Brady Manning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to, to be guaranteed to get it twice a year would be amazing. And then the San Francisco thing, I think you're right. I mean, if they're a contender anyway, and they nearly won a Super Bowl anyway with Jimmy G. Like, imagine yeah. if, if you don't have to just strip the team down to get Watson, imagine what how, how far they're elevated with Deshaun Watson. So, j- yeah, for the sake of okay. just adding another, like, legit Super Bowl contender to the mix, San Francisco would be great as well. Yeah, it's... I, I I think it would be a tough, and there were rumors a couple of months ago that San Francisco was you know potentially willing to offer Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson. I think it might be a little tough to get Deshaun Watson without giving up a guy like Bosa. But even then, even if they lose Bosa, they still have to be one of the favorites in the NFC. Yeah. I think it hurts them a little bit because I mean we all know that three most important positions of football today are you know a edge rusher, a quarterback, and a left tackle. Yeah, it, they they would have all three if they could get Watson without giving up Bosa. They would have all three of those things. Out of you know two of them in their prime, Trent Williams is probably a little past his prime, but he's still really good. Oh yeah, he's still one of the elite left tackles. Yeah, so great coaching staff. Like it, yeah. It's John Lynch has done a great job. Like it's it it's it's. Man, you know, I, I, as a kid, I was kind of like, ah, front office doesn't matter, like, whatever. Like, not really understanding, like, how much having a good general manager make, like, how much of a difference it makes. But, like, watching what Jack Easterby and the Texans are trying to do and Bill O'Brien trying to be a general manager compared to, like, how quickly, like, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have completely turned around San Francisco. I mean, think about how bad they were oh, yeah. when Harbaugh left. Yeah. They were terrible and just an immediate turnaround. Well, I mean, yeah, they had the what, number two pick or whatever where they got Bosa. Yeah. that And they got uh, the Solomon kid in the top five as well. DeForest Buckner, I think, was a top, top five pick. Yeah, I, th- I think I think he was top, top 10. But definitely yeah. top 10. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Well, top, yeah, either way, those were three top 10 picks. So you're not anywhere close to making the playoffs. Right. And it helps, you know, having those guys – it, but that goes back to having a good front office, having a plan is the fact that three years in a row, they spent it on defensive line guys and decided that we're going to build a defense and we're going to be having an elite pass rush. And obviously Buckner's in Indianapolis now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and, and they just got just having a plan. last year. Yeah. Just having a plan yeah. and like, you know, realizing and new England was great about this. New England was so good about recognizing when it's best to let a guy go and then immediately replacing him in the draft. Yeah. The Texans, the Texans went 15 years before they could, they ever found a second receiver. Yeah. They didn't they never had a good number two receiver until they got drafted Deandre Hopkins. Yeah, they so, so they had Bosa, Solomon Thomas was a number three pick, and Buckner was a number seven pick. So yeah, they had that stretch where they were, I mean, among the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they are. Some teams that'd be that'd be an awesome landing teams, spot. Yeah, some teams will go draft a receiver. They'll be like, hey, you know, we drafted a defensive li- lineman and we drafted an edge rusher early last year. Let's go get a receiver this time. We need to do something on that side. But to their credit, John Lynch and you know that San Francisco front office said, no, we're just gonna we're going to have the best defensive line in the NFL. And you could argue the year they went to the Super Bowl, they did. Like they had the best, one of the best defenses of the past decade. The yeah. year that they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, it, we see this every year. Everybody plays fantasy football, and because you play fantasy football, you love the quarterbacks and the running backs and the receivers and all that good stuff. But I mean, every year the Super Bowl champion generally, I mean, is good Great. on the line yep. of scrimmage. Like, yep, the front seven. Yeah. Or or just you know like. You know, Tampa added Tristan Wirfs to that offensive line this year uh, in the first yep. round, and he was one of the best tackles in the NFL. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an old cliche, but even in 2021, when football is completely different than it was 30 years ago, you still, the game is still won, you know, in the trenches right. with the two lines. Right. It doesn't matter even how spread out it gets. You can't win a game if you can't yeah. get to the quarterback or you can't protect your quarterback. Yeah. Kansas City was completely neutralized in the Super Bowl without two tackles. Yeah, and they, they decided that they were done with half yeah. that offensive line. Yeah. They gave a lot of money to somebody, though, to an offensive lineman they brought in. Who I can't remember who it was, though. Oh, did they sign somebody? I saw they, they were trying to get Trent Williams, but obviously he's going back to San Francisco. Um, I, I've missed them signing an, an offensive lineman, so... They gave a lot of money to. Uh, uh, maybe not. Maybe I guess not. Maybe I, maybe it was reported. I, I I'm obviously wrong because they really, like you said, they released Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. I, I guess I'm wrong. I I really thought that they signed somebody, but let me check another uh, another source here. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh... Joe Thune. They signed Joe Thune oh, okay. to five years, 80 million. Yeah. From New England. Who's, yeah, great. I mean, good guard, good power guard. Like, if they want to run the ball a little bit more. And I mean, yeah, he's. So they. I mean, Andy Reid was like, you know what, you dudes, you weren't there for me in the Super Bowl. Mahomes got killed. You're yeah. done. We're bringing in somebody else. Yeah. The, and, and they'll probably, I mean, they're probably going to get a great steal at tackle at the end of the first round. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking of getting a, st- I mean, I don't know if it's a steal. Cause I, I think that after his uh, pro day, he's probably in a lot more people's radar. Creed Humphreys. Oh, pro day. Yes. Insane. Yeah. Like I, I cannot imagine he didn't shoot it up in mock drafts after that. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a, a position thing for the draft for me with him because he just... He you just don't know where he's going to play. Yeah, he doesn't... He, well, and it's just not a premium position in the draft. Like, is Creed Humphrey deserving so, of a first-round pick? Absolutely. Uh, we just don't see that position get taken often in the first round. I so think, You think that... I think that he could probably play... I think he could probably play guard, I think he though. could, too. Yeah, I think you're... Yeah. Yeah, I think he could play on the just on the interior in general. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I mean, if he's that athletic. Right, exactly. There's no reason he can't play guard. And he is and a, I, a massive human being. Yes. And I've never gotten the impression that 
you know, he was stupid and couldn't, you know, wasn't smart enough to play to switch positions or anything like that. But yeah. Um, the Texans, Hey, signed Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. There you go. Their next, their future starting quarterback quarterback now. Yeah. You got, you got a quarterback trade him, trade Deshaun Watson out of there. Uh, And then hopefully nobody stabs Tyrod pregame and God, man, that dude, I, I'm sure we talked about it during the season. That dude has the worst luck ever. Yeah. I feel so bad for him. He's also had some decent luck to to have all these opportunities where, like, yeah, like Philip Rivers moves on, and it's like, hey, come be the starting quarterback at, at in. I, I was about to say San Diego, L.A., uh, and then like the Deshaun Watson thing happens. Oh, let's go get Terod Taylor. I, I I guess the moral is if you want to ensure that your young quarterback is going to be good, just make sure that Terod is starting ahead of him yeah. for like. A half. Yeah. One half of football, and then you're probably going to have a good quarterback. It, yeah, so basically what we've learned is the Texans need to draft a quarterback and somehow get into the first round of this draft, draft a quarterback, tell everybody Tarod Taylor is absolutely your starter, and then by the midway point of, of season number one, we're like, well, they found their franchise quarterback. It's it's this rookie. Right. I will say, though, uh, for the first time since Deshaun Watson has been in Houston, the front office actually got a backup that could like plays a similar style as him. Like, yeah, I, it never made sense to me that like, if Deshaun Watson went down, you're going to AJ McCarron, right? That you can't run the same offense with AJ McCarron right. as you could with Deshaun Watson or Brandon, Brandon Whedon. Whedon yeah. Like there's completely different quarterbacks. Like at least bring somebody in that's comparable that you could run the same offense with. Right. But yeah, it's like in a basketball not, game, you've got like Chris Paul gets hurt. And then you put Shaq in to play his position. It's just like, what? Exactly. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I, a, a guy that I've seen in mock drafts uh, that, I like, I was I was wondering, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, for example, they you know, their backup quarterback situation has been a mess. Luckily, you know, Andy Dalton has NFL experience a year ago and was able to Maybe make that thing look better than it would have if it had been somebody like Cooper Rush. Uh, but, you know, th- they've not had a backup quarterback that is similar to Dak. And I was looking at, at this draft. Is there a guy that potentially would fit that mold? And Jamie Newman is a guy that I'm, I'm like, at what round would he have to be available where you're like, you know what? Let's go get Jamie Newman. And then we have a guy that at least is somewhat in the same skill set department as Dak Prescott. And I don't know, for me, it's maybe like the fourth or fifth. If he's still there, pull the trigger. Yeah, he was, he was good. Uh, he didn't play this past season. Yeah. He opted. Um, yeah, but he was good his junior year, uh, showed progress from, you know, his sophomore year. He didn't start. He started, uh, like six games his sophomore year. Yeah, yeah, he played in six games. But, you know, significant improvement. Um, I think if you could get – I think a quarterback at, at the end of the draft like that is just a complete luxury pick anyway. Like, it drafting a quarterback in the fifth or sixth round is – I think it's just a – there's a, there's no gamble there. I think it's – Oh, just a, yeah, it's a, yeah. He, he's not going to be there that late, though. Like, I think you're probably having to pull the trigger on him in the fourth – even in the fourth, though, like I think that nobody is nobody is drafting a quarterback expecting them to become a starter in the fourth. Like you know, like no, the Cowboys didn't draft Dak. I wouldn't imagine right. 
Jerry Jones might tell you different, but I don't imagine they drafted Dak and said, this guy's going to replace Tony Romo. Yeah. Actually, let me, rephrase, let me rephrase that. I think the Cowboys would have to take him in the fourth if he were still there. I don't even know that it's a guarantee that he makes it to the fourth, okay. especially if we have, I mean, there, there might be five guys taken in the, in the top 10, right? Like it's five guys taken in the top 15. So I, I, you may right. be looking at a situation where in the second round, yeah, it's gonna be two tougher. or three more guys may league. go. My only point was, at what round would you have to get to where if he's still on the board, you're like, we got to go get him. Well, because for me, it's like I, probably I think the if, But I think if you're, if you're Dallas, do you, is, is it worth using a, fourth or, a third or a fourth round pick for a, a guy that you know is going to be your backup for the next three years? I mean, it it would probably just depend what was on the board for me, uh, because I think there are still players in that range that could step in and start for the Dallas Cowboys. Like I think a hundred percent, they need they and they need. We talked about they need help on both sides of the line. Yeah, both sides of the line. They need help in the secondary. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you need safeties, it, you need corners, you need all the defensive line positions, you need all the offensive line positions. Uh, but. I think I think it'd be crazy for Dallas to draft a quarterback anywhere in this draft, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't. But if if a guy like Jamie Newman is still there, that's tough, man. I I don't know. Fourth might may, maybe fifth, but yeah, I mean, you could maybe maybe if they're in a scenario where they're up in the third round or fourth round or whatever, and Newman's there, maybe you could trade out and get some picks in yeah. for a team to move to that spot. I just. Yeah, I, I think that you know Dallas is a they their core is pretty their core is still pretty good. I think if yeah, I just it'd be crazy to draft a quarterback. I think because like you said, they there's just a few positions that they need guys that can come in and play, and if they get they hit on a couple of those dudes, like they're they become like potential contenders. Yeah, if they stay healthy. Yeah, I was thinking about this as well. If you're Dallas in the first round. And we talked about this a little bit. I don't know where they go at number 10. Because I think, like, here's what I'm going to assume. And this is the only thing I'm going to assume about the 10th pick. I assume Sewell is going to be gone. But other than that, I I think that they are, you know, they don't need a receiver, obviously. Uh, So there's a chance we see three receivers go before they even pick. And five quarterbacks, and potentially, and potentially five quarterbacks need. go before they pick, and then Panay Sewell. So in that scenario, that's that's that is the best case scenario for Dallas because then they have their pick of of anything they want basically, because we will have had nine players drafted, five quarterbacks, three receivers. Obviously, they don't need either one of those positions, and then the best offensive tackle in in the draft. So at that point, you would have the option of uh, Rashawn Slater who a lot of people view as the number two tackle, and some people think he's really close to Sewell. Um, you would have your your choice of defensive linemen, whether it's like Quiddy Pay off the edge or you know Christian Barmore on the interior from Alabama, or you have your option of the top corner in the draft, whether you think that's Caleb Farley or uh, Patrick Sertan. You would have the top safety in the draft available to you there with uh, Trayvon Merrig. Like, you, Dallas can do anything they want in that position, and I almost think, despite it being... A, like, I, 
if they went Kyle Pitts there, I, I I'd probably do a backflip. Yeah, I was just about to mention him. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think Kyle Pitts is probably. Yeah, I think I would be doing backflips if he fell to ten because I think it's probably unlikely that he falls to ten. Um, because I. I'm looking at a mock draft I think right it now. could easily going... happen. Like, I, I definitely think he could be available there. Yeah, see, Jacksonville's quarterback, the Jets' quarterback, Miami, um, if they stay at that three pick, they're probably taking a skill position guy. Receiver or, I think, offensive lineman is the pick for Miami. Right, which... If they don't trade out of it. Who knows? They could, they could look at Kyle Pitts and think they, you know... Yeah. He, they could, you know, he could give them more immediate impact than yeah. a guy like Jamar Chase or somebody. Uh, Atlanta, who knows? They could go offensive line or quarterback. Cincinnati, I would be shocked if Sewell's there that they don't take Sewell. Like that would be insane not right. to take Sewell if you're Cincinnati. Philadelphia, who knows? I mean, they they're apparently in on Jalen Hurts, so they're probably going skill position he I, needs I somebody to throw receiver. to yeah i think they're going receiver. yeah but they they could also Deitch. if if you know a guy like sewell's there i could easily see them going tackle yeah uh which like we said like it, the, if sewell's there at six like cincinnati screwed up um because they gotta i mean their right. offensive line so bad and right. they need to protect joe burrow uh detroit who the hell knows what detroit's gonna do they're so bad that it doesn't really matter well, they, they like, just they took just hawkinson need- two years ago in the top 10 they're, yeah, they're definitely not taking pits. That's right. for sure. Um, Carolina, uh, probably quarterback. I can't imagine they take anybody other than a quarterback mm-hmm. there uh, if they stay in that spot. And then uh, Denver at nine. They don't need a tight end. They just drafted Noah Fant. Right. So yeah, I mean, you're really if if he gets past, he could easily be there. Yeah, I mean, he's got like you got like two teams you got to worry about. Right. And there's so many receivers in this draft that. If a team is willing to draft Kyle Pitts, they're probably willing to draft Jamar Chase as well, or Waddle, or yeah. um, Smith. Well, like Miami, for example, they have Gasecki, and and look, I like. Would I rather have Kyle Pitts than Gasecki? Sure. Like Kyle Pitts has Hall of Fame potential, but if you've already got the tight end, you could go get the guy that, that takes the yeah. lid off the defense with Devonte Smith or Jamar Chase. And then you have two spots filled, whereas if you just add Kyle Pitts to that equation, you're still looking for the guy that takes the top off the defense. And, and I mean, that's what everybody says Miami needs for that offense, for, for Tua to be successful. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I, just, I think he could easily be there if he's there and Dallas went that direction. I, even though they don't need help at, as far as, like, pass catchers in that offense, like, if you go best available player, Kyle Pitts at number 10, good Lord. And and look, I, yeah, I they would I mean, still they, they need so much help defensively, but get, getting a guy like it, it, it's tough. Even if you like you said, I mean they're they've got so many weapons in offense, especially pass catchers. But I mean, it, it to, if to pass up a guy that has Hall of Fame potential, yeah. Even if you kind of had you're pretty set at that position, it's yeah. You know, it would be kind of dumb. Yeah. Especially when you've got, you know, I don't know if they, do they have a pick in every round? Assuming they have a pick in every round, you've got six do, more yeah. rounds that you could fill out your yeah. roster. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if, if Pitts is gone, I, I don't know what my preference is. I'd go Schwartz. They, uh, you'd go who? Uh, 
Schwartz, right? The kid, the lineman out of Northwestern. That, or am I getting it mixed up? Oh, Slater. Slater. Yeah, yeah. Schwartz. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking. We were just talking about Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would go Slater. Yeah, I would. Personally, I'd I'd be totally okay with that. I think there's just they could go Slater. They could go, uh, Barmore. They could go with one of the corners. Um. Yeah. I'm looking at a mock draft on CBS. They have them taking Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, which. Yeah, I mean. I, I mean, you look you look at their roster and you see they had Jalen Smith and. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. Van Der Esch and, yeah, and you think that was kind of a weird pick, but. I, I don't think it would be a terrible pick because I don't think either of those guys are reliable. Like, Jalen Smith was not good last year, and you could argue that it was a schematic thing, but between that and. You know, Leighton Van Der Esch has not really done a great job of staying healthy. Right. I don't I mean. It's hard to argue that Parsons may not be the best player available there. And, you know, for a defense that you need help everywhere, but that's probably, like, I'm not going to say they don't need linebacker help, but that's probably at the not bottom a, of the, the list. Thing. Yeah, it's at yeah. the bottom of the, because they need interior defensive line. They need corner, safety, and edge help. Probably before, linebacker would be the last thing they need help in defensively. But, you know, if yeah. it uh, it would also probably make sense. I wonder if they would uh, shake up the roster a little bit if they took Parsons. Maybe that means the end for Jalen Jalen Smith in Dallas or you never know. Uh, yeah, I, I it's 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 a big mystery to me what they're going to do there, because I think they could go a bunch of options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, you would. Potentially, like you said, Slater would still be there. The Derrishaw kid out of Virginia Tech would mm-hmm. still be there. Um, I I don't think that there's a defensive lineman that I would take at 10, honestly. There's just... I, I don't know. It's just I, There hasn't been a guy that has stood out to me that I say I think that guy is better than somebody I could get in the second or the third round. Yeah. Um, I mean, some defensive lineman going the first on this mock draft. The uh, Phillips kid out of Miami... Uh, Christian Barr, more out of Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know a lot about, a ton about those guys to know, think that, you know, like I said, that you couldn't get somebody equivalent in the second round or right. third round. Right. Yeah. Creed it, Humphrey on this mock, Creed Humphrey on this mock draft, though, uh, <laughs> he is in the first round. Guess where he's going? Green Bay. No, he's uh oh. he is joining the Baltimore Sooners. Oh, okay. Yeah, see that would draft. make sense. Yeah. Of course it would. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay also just lost their center, didn't they? To the Chargers? Corey Lindsley? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I could I could see that being an option too. Um Yeah, it's so we need to uh we need to do a mock draft here in like a week or two. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. First round, seven rounds. You want to do all seven? I could go all seven. <laughs> a nine-hour podcast. Yeah. I it guess take... it wouldn't be that long because at, at a certain point, we're just like, I don't know, that yeah. guy. Yeah, just pull up a, a, a you know, top available player ranking and pick names. Just pick that guy. Yeah. yeah. I think I could, I, I could reasonably, though, go seven rounds with players that I think are good enough to be drafted. 
Se- you say seven rounds? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, well, good. Okay. It, yeah. Okay. Like, I think I know enough about this draft class and college football and the players available that we could go seven rounds without me struggling to know who the guys are and you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm even, I'm really brushed up on the, like the G five guys. Oh, well, okay. So, well, you've clearly put in a lot more homework than I have. I did a, I, a, I did a just, I, I did a mock draft for the Dallas Cowboys where my only rule was I can only draft guys from uh non power five schools. And by the time sure I got you, done with seven rounds, I was like, you know what? If this were the Cowboys draft, I would be, I would be thrilled. Okay, okay. You said non power five, right? Non power five, yeah. So okay. group of I don't five know, and I, division I, you two. Said, yeah, you said you said G five, and I. Yeah, group I of five. It was just yeah. like only. I was only. Yeah. I was immediately like, like, you're only picking divi- Like you're up on the division two kids, <laughs> but then, yeah, now it's processing. The yeah. group of five is just group you know, of, yeah. it, like it could be the. Commerce USA or whatever. Zayvon Collins from Tulsa, Richie Grant from UCF. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we uh, you mentioned free agency. I mean, we talked about it a second. Uh, the Texans signed 12 players. Whoa, really? Anybody? Yeah, you want to hear the of note? You want to hear these big names they signed? Yeah. Uh, Marcus Cannon, who's a Patriots tackle. Yeah. Uh, Shaq Lawson and uh, Shaq Lawson and uh, Benardrick McKinney. McKinney was already there, but so I guess they just read. Oh no, they traded Benardrick McKinney to Miami for Shaq Lawson. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I mean McKinney's okay, but that contract was terrible. They signed Mark Ingram, who's washed. Uh, they signed uh, Camu Grugier Hill from Miami to a one-year deal. Uh, they signed Christian Kirksey. Uh, they signed former Bills receiver Andre Roberts. Great. Oh, man, what a signing. Uh, they signed Malik Collins, Vernon Hargraves, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, excuse me, and Terrence Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell. So, uh, All right. Super Bowl. They're just throwing – yeah. I guess they just said, you know what, let's just throw money at players, and they're tanking. Like, they're just tanking. Yeah. Uh, right before we started recording today uh... – you mentioned the New England Patriots. For the first time ever, it feels like Bill Belichick is just like, you know what? Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. I am not going to stand by and go through a slow rebuild. We're going to do our best to try and rebuild this thing immediately. So I think he spent a bunch of money, but I don't know that I feel any better about New England than I did before. I I don't get it. Look, I saw so many tweets yesterday and Instagram posts talking about, oh, the mad, the the, the mad genius. He's at it again. Bill Belichick can't be stopped or or whatever. I I okay, so I, their defensive signings I do like. I like their guys that they brought in on defense a lot better. I like Matthew Judon. Um I, I, I like Jalen Mills. I think he's a decent safety for what they got him for. Um I think bringing Trent Brown back, although Trent Brown, you could argue since he went to Oakland and got paid, he wasn't as good as he was in New England, not even close. Yeah, he was phenomenal in New England. That yes, last he year, was. yeah. But offensively, they spent they spent eighty seven and a half million dollars on two tight ends between John New Smith and Hunter Henry, who are both they're good tight ends, but nobody's going to have a conversation about them being elite or Pro Bowl caliber tight ends. Maybe, maybe if they stay healthy, I but think they Hunter don't stay Henry, healthy. if he's healthy, I think is a top ten tight end. 
But I mean, I don't, I don't sure. put. He's not Travis uh, Kelsey or George Kittle or Darren Waller. Like right. I don't think he's there. He's at the bottom end of the top Gronk. ten. Right. He's not Gronk. He's not. But he and, probably... and also he he hasn't shown that he can stay on the field for sixteen games. Like that's his biggest issue. I exactly. I like his skill set, but exactly. Uh, they signed Nelson Aguilar, who was better with Oakland last year than he ever was with Philadelphia, but he's still just. At best, like an average receiver. They signed Kendrick Bourne, who, I mean, I, whatever. Like, I've never seen him do anything that I said, wow, this dude could be a really good receiver. Right. And they brought back Cam Newton. Like, they're, they're going to be terrible. They're going to have like, what, they're going to have one of the 10 worst offenses next year, even with signing those guys. But freaking social media lost our mind yesterday because they spent money. Like, just because you spend money doesn't mean that. It's money well spent. Yeah. Well, were they losing their minds because people thought the money was going to result in wins, or were they losing their minds because we've all just become so accustomed to Bill Belichick not spending money that it was a shock to see them do it? No, I think that I my under the way that I looked at it was that they just that they're back. New England's back. They're back. Yeah. They're Yikes. they're going to be the favorites in the AFC East next year. Um. Yeah, I mean, their team was terrible last year, Yeah, obviously. Yeah. And, like, they had a ton of cap space. Everybody knew they were going to have a ton of cap space this offseason, and they needed to do something. But I think they could have done a lot better. I mean, to think that Nelson Aguilar is going to go in there and that's going to fix anything is absurd. Their, their receiving core is still terrible. Agreed. They spent... Agreed. They spent $50 million on two receivers, and their receiving core is still terrible. Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Oh. Well, trade look, for Kenny, trade for Will Fuller. Do something like there are better options out there. Yeah, actually, I think Will Fuller might be a free agent. Why are you spending your money on Nelson Aguilar and not going to get Will Fuller, who you could argue has injury issues, but I, I, he's at least when he's on the field, he's better than Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not the fix to me that makes Cam Newton better. Nothing's gonna make Cam Newton better. He sucks. He's terrible. <laughs> he's like I like Cam Newton, but his arm's dead. Like he's done. Yeah. He he was one of he was one of the worst passers I've seen in the past ten years last year. He was so bad. Not good. Andy Dalton uh, got to deal with the Bears. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That uh, yeah, apparently uh, PFF tweeted earlier that the Bears offered what was it? Three first, another draft pick, and two starters, I believe, for Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> they end up with Andy Dalton. Like, this, like they don't even waste time. Like, oh, you know what? Let's go. We need to go get Andy Dalton. <laughs> so, no, we can't wait. Who's next time. on the if list, Bill? If we Andy don't Dalton, get Andy call right him. now, if we don't get him now, somebody's going to scoop him up. Yeah, three first, a third, and two starters for Russell Wilson. And obviously, Seattle declined, which... I mean, I, I would imagine they had to at least think about that for a minute because that's a that's a haul. Yeah. Has there been a signing but, that you felt like was like a blockbuster to the point that you're like, well, that makes them way better? Um, as far as like a player going to a new team. Uh yeah, yeah. 
uh, Joe Tooney going to Kansas City was a. I think that's a big signing. Yeah. Especially after we mentioned earlier, they they released Schwartz and Fisher. Um. Not really. Um. I mean, there's been some moves that I liked, but I just I, there was yeah. nothing that I saw that I was like, wow, that's. I that's really like deal. Emmanuel Sanders in the Bills' offense. He does. John Brown went to uh, Oakland. Where did he go? He did. He just signed with somebody this morning. Yeah, I haven't seen it then. But yeah, but I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is like a he's a good, you know, replacement for John Brown. I think they're probably comparable on on what they're going to produce at this point. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can't think of another one as far as like a guy changing teams. Uh, I did laugh last night because. Uh, I'm sure you saw the news. William Jackson from the Bengals uh, signed with Washington. So Adam Schefter tweets, WFT, oh, yeah. uh, the William Jackson signs with the Redskins for whatever the dollar amount was. And I, even though I, I'm like very familiar with, at, at this point, Washington football team is their name and everybody writes WFT. Every time I see it, immediately my mind rearranges the letters to WTF. So every time I see it, like I read it as WTF, they're giving this guy four years, $60 million. And I'm like, that. that's every that's time I'm like, damn, Shefty does not like this signing. That has happened to me a couple of times uh, this past season when somebody would type in WFT. I'm like, Whoa. yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Shams broke a NFL free agency news yesterday, and the NFL media, Ian Rappaport, was not happy about that. What? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Shams, I don't remember. It was some inconsequential signing, too. Like, it was a guy that everybody knows. But, yeah. And then Ian Rappaport retweeted, and it was like, hey, Shams, I'll be sick to basketball. <laughs> you don't so. think that was just a humorous thing? I don't think so, because it just wasn't like... That's funny. I, I I wouldn't like it was a Jameis Winston resigning with. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I would I would be pissed because Shams does no NFL stuff. Like you look at his timeline, it's all NBA, and then sprinkled in there's one tweet about Jameis Winston. Winston resigning. And like, yeah, I, I think I'd be a little annoyed if I was Ian Rappaport or uh, you know any of the NFL insiders that like their job is to break NFL news. Be better. I agree, but still, I would be a little if, annoyed as well. If, well, you don't break NFL news, but if you got the Jameis Winston news, like if somebody confirmed that to you, you wouldn't tweet it? Well, yeah, I would because I need to, but Shams doesn't need to. <laughs> Shams is the he's the second top guy as far as NBA like media goes. Is he the second? Has he surpassed Woj? I've heard people say that Shams gets info before Woj sometimes. Well, there you go. Well, I he mean, Woj is, Woj is going to, Woj is known as the number one guy because, you know, he's been doing it and, and, you know, everybody calls it the Woj bomb and, but I don't right. know. I've, I've, I've heard people have the argument whether or not, uh, Shams has superseded Woj. Well, there you go. See, exactly. You got the top dude in his, in his sport which you could argue NBA offseason is way bigger news than NFL offseason news. Yeah. And he's going to poach a Jameis Winston breaking news from somebody. Yeah. 
Jameis Winston resigning, like that's I mean, it's Jameis Winston, but that's still that's still big news, I guess, in the NFL free agency at this point. By the way, uh, did you see the the contract that the Saints gave Taysom Hill? No. Today or yesterday? Uh, I think it was on Sunday, Sunday or Saturday. Uh, then I definitely didn't see it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they gave him four years, one hundred and forty million dollars. But apparently, the Saints can break the contract at, at any point after any season. Wow. That's a gr- I, I like that deal for both sides, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money for Hill, but the fact that they could get out at any point. Right. Like, there's no risk. Like, he, either he turns into a top-level starter yeah. or you just cut ties with him. Well, and it's perfect because you can keep using him the way they're using him while also having a backup quarterback that, like, if you don't have Taysom Hill, you're going to have to pay somebody like Chase Daniel like 10 to $15 million a year anyway, right? Yep. Like, this is a no bra- This is a great deal, I think, for both sides. And, you know, for Taysom Hill, again, you get to stay where you are. You're still the backup quarterback. You're getting used within the starting offense. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think that's a great deal. Yeah, and it also cleared up uh, $7.5 million against the cap this year. Nice. By restructuring extent. Yeah, so I don't – I think that personally, I think New Orleans would be crazy not to let Jameis start at the beginning of next year. I agree. Because he's just – I mean, he's just a – I think your ceiling's a little bit higher with Winston in there because even at Tampa Bay, like, there were flashes where you're like, this dude could be a really good quarterback. Then he throws, you know, four picks in a game, and you say, well, never mind. He sucks. Right. But – if he can bring the interceptions down, like I think he's a good starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just finding out whether or not Sean Payton has had an impact on his decision making because it, it, you know it. Right. His physical ability has never been in question. So no, he's always been, he's yeah he can make sure. all the throws like th- that's that's fine. The the thing that has been his biggest downfall, like you said, is the interceptions and the bad decision making. And if Sean Payton over the last year has had any impact on him. Uh, and and he cuts that down, then, yeah. I mean, the only thing different that Tom Brady did in Tampa this year that Jameis Winston didn't do was not turn the ball over. For picks, yeah. And, and, then, and like, he doesn't have to throw, like, five. Like, he can still, I think he can still throw, like, 15. Yeah. He, he's still cutting it in half. Right. He's still throwing half of the interceptions he threw his last year in Tampa Bay. Yeah. He, he, he just, throws 30 I, touchdowns to 15 interceptions. He now. felt like he just needs to score 40 points a game and, you know, the reality in the NFL right. is that's not really the case. Like you don't have to score forty points every game. You can, you can live to see another down without trying to force the issue every time you're putting the ball in the air. Yeah, and those Tampa Bay defenses, like Tampa Bay's defense got really got good his last year in Tampa Bay, but before yeah. that they were pretty bad. So you know he's got a good, really good defense in New Orleans. Like yeah, it's completely conceivable that like, the, and Sean Payton can also build an offense where he doesn't there's not as much weight on like Alvin Kamara can take a lot of pressure off of Jameis Winston in that offense. So yeah. Oh, Taysom Hill number though. Just reading that number immediately was pretty shocking, but then, yeah, my, my, like when you read it at first, I was like, Oh, Holy cow. That's, but then I think when you add the, the ability to get out of it, that's every year. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to pay for a backup quarterback. We, you know, like we've seen Chase Daniel has made so much money in the NFL without even playing just because you have to have somebody that's yep. that's ready to go in. Remember the Sean Glennon 
contract a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wait, yeah, which one? He's gotten paid a couple times. Yeah. yeah, there are a bunch of guys. I mean, Ty- Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a handful of guys that, you know, kind of made their, yeah. their living as back quarterbacks. So Chase Daniels is probably the ultimate example because yeah. he never played. Right. He's stayed in the league for 15 years. Yeah, so when you have a guy that can not only – give you an extra wrinkle offensively with your starters, but is also taking away the, you know, the money that you're going to have to, you'd have to spend on a backup quarterback. It's yeah, that's a, I like that. And it's, you're not going to, you know, two years from now, if he blows out a knee, um, catching a pass, you're not stuck. You know, it's uh that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Yeah. I like it. Uh, all right. Um, I think we're. I think that's all I got today. Anything else on your mind? Yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, um, no, I, I I complained about the Bill Belichick stuff. That was really annoying yeah. me last night. Yeah. Um. No, no. Complain about college basketball. I complain about all the things I need to complain about. <laughs> There's no other complaints. You've aired all the grievances. No, I'm gonna go enjoy this beautiful, beautiful. Weather. I think it's raining right now. So is it? I, I, I finally. So I have this blackout curtain in this uh, in this studio that I built, uh, and just this week, with the time change. So occasionally, I, I I do some stuff in the evening as well. So with the time change, when I'm in here in the evening, the sun has kind of crept in through this like the the corner of the window. So I've tacked uh-huh. this blackout curtain all the way around so that literally like nothing can, can creep in because it really messes with uh, the green screen. So I have zero idea what's happening outside. Like this room is, is, uh, I mean, it, it, it's going to look pretty similar to how it looked two hours ago. Okay. I mean, nothing it's has not gonna, it hasn't changed. Nothing yeah. has changed. It just might be a little more wet right this second, more gray and more wet. Right. Happy St. Patty's Day. Now that's that St. Patty's Day like this. There you go. There you go. All right, my friend. Uh, we we will uh, we will have a draft on Friday. Um, I'm still trying to come up with uh, with what we're gonna do. It'll probably be something NCAA tournament related or tournament related in general. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll have a draft on Friday. But uh, otherwise, if there's any, if there's not anything else for you to complain about, then uh, I think our job here is done. I'm all tuckered out. I gotta go. <laughs> I'm gonna go nap after all the complaining. All right, go. Hey, go experience some more things that annoy you, so that we can uh, we can do this again next week. Oh, I will. All right, I will. Fair enough. All right, see all ya. right, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Once again, thanks to Aaron Davis for joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast every Wednesday. So make sure you check that out. That is it for this episode presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. They have a staff that's dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their benefits, it's about educating yourself. And and don't hesitate to give them a call, 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% off when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Discount code Colby Show for 15% off when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I'll see you tomorrow.
the podcast is over.